Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. I'm very honored today to welcome a very special guest, Iqbal Nassim. Iqbal, for a short introduction, he's based in the UK. He's an educator, speaker, writer, uh, former investment banker, and until very recently, CEO of the National Zakat Foundation in the UK. Assalamu alaikum, Iqbal. Thanks for sharing the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thanks for uh, organizing this, and thanks to everybody for attending. Before starting, uh, a small overview of how we will proceed with this live interview. It's the first time I do that, and it's the first time in English as well, so <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun. So first, we'll conduct um, a 45-minute interview, followed um, by a 15-minute Q&A session. You can either type your questions in the chat or wait until the Q&A sessions to ask them directly to him, inshallah. So, Iqbal, are you ready to be cooked the French way? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, Iqbal, could you tell us more about your about your background and what you are up to today? Yeah, sure. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah. In the name of God, the Lord of Mercy, the Giver of Mercy. All praise belongs to God, and blessings and peace upon the Messenger of God. Um, so, uh, so I was born in London, grew up here. I studied economics and management at university. I graduated in 2005. Um, I worked, uh, I spent a few months abroad at that stage in Jordan, uh, where I was doing some Arabic studies and um, doing some further Quranic studies as well. Um, and in 2006, uh, so almost 16 years ago now, I, um, uh, I, I started working in, in investment banking. Uh, I was an equity analyst, like a stockbroker, if you like. Um, and uh, and that's what I did for the next five years or so. Uh, whilst I was there, uh, I had this growing feeling that I wanted to do something a bit more meaningful, if you like, a bit more substantial. Um, and so I, um, long story short, ended up in 2011 uh, at um, an organization called Mercy Mission, uh, which had just launched uh, a project called National Zakat Foundation. And so by the end of that year, uh, it ended up working out that I was then Uh, project managing the National Zakat Foundation in the UK um, and uh, uh, and I, so that was what I was doing and then uh, by the end of 2013 uh, the because the project had grown it span out into a separate organization an entity uh, and so I became the chief executive the CEO of that uh, of National Zakat Foundation in its new structure um, and you know alhamdulillah continued then for the next few years uh, just until November so Just last November was my last month there. So it was basically 10 years I spent uh, in National Zakat Foundation. And alhamdulillah, it grew, it grew to a substantial size in the UK, also came up in four other countries, uh, in Europe, actually, in um, Holland and Switzerland, uh, as well as Australia and Canada. Um, mm. And then, uh, yeah, then more recently, or in the last couple of years, whilst I was at National Zakat Foundation, I began, um, I put together and began teaching a course on Salah called Transform My Prayer. Um, And that started at the end of 2019. And I found that um, both in my work at NZF and through the teaching of this course, I found that what I uh, really enjoyed doing the most and I found beneficial for myself and beneficial for others was uh, just really sometimes, you know, going back to basics and just explaining really the basics of the deen in a way that was hopefully inspiring and uh, relatable, you know, for people. Um, uh, and so uh, that's what I've been doing really. And then effectively that's what I'm doing kind of full-time now so uh, as a combination uh, for the combination of topics I'm addressing so one is Salah transform my prayer uh, 
I also do a uh, run a course uh, called Club Revelation, which is basically like a medium term program to explore Quranic themes uh, and to try and understand them better to help uh, people familiarize themselves with topics uh, in the Quran and how that can affect them. Uh, and also I have a program called Last Day Leader. Uh, the idea of this is to help people uh, think about how they can become better leaders. We can explore obviously what that means today because a lot of what we will talk about today or the topic of today is related to that. Um, but yeah, ultimately my, my, my aim to summarize and to finish now, my aim is to uh, help people lead truly God-centered lives and specifically the ways in which I'm trying to do that is to help them achieve a connection with their Lord through prayer, through Salah, uh, to help them achieve clarity uh, through uh, revelation, through the Quran, and to give them or to help them have the courage to fulfill their leadership potential. Um, and by leadership potential, then I mean that doing uh, as much as one possibly can uh, in service of God's cause, which is then the title of this um, discussion, uh, and then of course we can we can elaborate. Well, you know what what we what we mean by that. So that's what I'm doing. And so I teach courses. I write, uh, you know, put out sort of just messaging and stuff, and a combination of things like that, just to help people and help myself first and foremost. for the presentation. I think it was clear. Um, so the theme of this uh, conversation is in service of God's cause. So. What is your definition of um, being in service of God's cause, striving for God's cause, and has your understanding of it evolved over time? Sure. So, um, so the Arabic phrase, when we say God's cause, the, Ar the phrase in Arabic that I'm referring to is fi sabilillah. So all over the Quran, you have the term, the word fi sabilillah. We are told to strive fi sabilillah, and we're told to spend fi sabilillah. Yeah. And so uh, Muslim, uh, the average Muslim, when they hear the phrase fi sabilillah, the first thing that usually comes to mind is that uh, that um, that's, that involves doing something for free. You know, I'll, let, I'll do it fi sabilillah. Yeah, I'll do it in God's way. And the implication often is, I don't want payment. I'll do fi I'll do it fi sabilillah. Yeah, this is mm -hmm. often the, a common kind of interpretation sometimes. Um, I think when we say God's cause, the, the way to understand it is and to distinguish it is to distinguish it from maybe doing something like lilla, yeah, or liwajhilla, um, uh, if you like, right? Mm -hmm. So we also have these phrases as well, which might be more to mean for God's pleasure or for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Now, there's an important distinction. So we have to distinguish between these terms. So when we talk about doing something for uh, for God's sake or for his pleasure, what we mean is that our motivation of whatever the action is, is for, is for him to be pleased with us and to do something which um, simply aligns, generally speaking, with our uh, being his servant, okay? Now, that something, that, so, so, so it means that we're doing an action which is in line with what he uh, wishes from us, and it also means that it is something which um, uh, pleases him. However, the, 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 the beyond that, when we're talking about doing something for God's cause, what we are referring to is something that uh, facilitates the straight path for other people. So if doing something for God's sake is us traveling ourselves on the straight path, doing something for God's cause means that there is a, an over, there's, a, there's a mission that goes beyond like myself simply, and there is a cause, there is something to strive for 
that has an effect, a social effect, an impact on other people. And fundamentally what it means is to bring, uh, to facilitate the path for uh, others. So we talk about, you know, we ask every day for guidance on the straight path, we're trying to journey towards Allah in everything that we are doing and saying and, and, and just every aspect of our lives. And just like any other journey, so just really make it, to make it really simple, just think about any other journey. I can go on a journey from A to Z myself. And whilst going on that journey, I can facilitate that journey for other people as well and help people go on that journey. And when you do something for God's sake, it's like you are, you're moving forward on your journey, your own journey. When you do something for God's cause, you're actually facilitating the same journey for other people at the same time. And in the mm-hmm. Quran, all over the Quran, Allah is asking us to be, be, become such people. Right, that we have a concern, and fundamentally, you can say it's like the the main prophetic concern. Right, prophets were sent in order to facilitate the path for people, to show them yeah. the way to go, and so that's basically what we are trying to do. We're going, trying to go on that way ourselves, but also all of us within our capabilities should constantly think to ourselves, and this is what I mean by leadership, because leadership is simply influencing someone else in a positive direction, and in our case. The, ultimately, the direction in which we need to influence people is towards towards Allah, because on the day of judgment, that is the kind of influence that fundamentally would, would have mattered. So it's just for all of us to think individually and collectively about what can we do in order to facilitate more people having the opportunity to find their Lord, basically, and to find guidance and to live uh, in, a, in a guided way. Mm. So you're saying it's not enough to be focused on our own relationship with God and what we do for God. But yeah, just for example, the prayer and just having like uh, giving money to charities just for our own sake. Uh, you're saying it's not enough to do that. You need to, to, to be also focus on the overall context and how we can help the Muslim and the people in our context to get closer to God. Right, exactly. So the thing is, is that it's about saying, well, you know, how i mean the most obvious most of us our main sphere of influence will be uh in our immediate localities you know immediate society surroundings what have you or if even if we are away from as i know you are for example you know halfway around the world or wherever you are right that you are but but where you have a some sort of social or cultural kind of overlap or what's called social cultural capital or some affinity you know, mm. so you have more of an understanding of the ways that people think, the people, the language, etc., the culture. Um, and uh, you know, Allah says, in Surah Ibrahim, chapter 14, Allah says that we didn't send a messenger except by literally the tongue of his people. But the tongue, meaning language, meaning culture, meaning there's a, a bond between the messenger and the people who are being called. Now, to, to the extent that we also want to be messengers, if you like, we, will have, we are trying to, um, uh, as Allah says, yubalighuna uh, risalat, right? That they, they, people who are conveying the messages, we want to become such people. This is in Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter 33. Um, that if we want to be people who are helped to continue to convey the message, then typically we will do that, you know, in, 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 uh, with people where we have some sort of bond, some sort of link, there's some sort of cultural or other kind of overlap that allows the message to translate. Now, um, well, yeah, so what I'm saying is, is that we all, need to, we all need to think about or envision 
what if today we all recognize that we typically are living in societies, communities where, um, you know, uh, uh, where God uh, is not, if you like, uppermost, not being, uh, he is not the center point of what is driving people uh, and community and society. Um, in fact, if anything, over recent years, hundreds of years, but especially, you know, it's, it seems to be accelerating that if anything is the opposite is the case, you know, like actually mm. uh, that um, any consideration or in or belief in a divine, you know, is declining. People are not interested, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there's that going on. So we need to think about, okay, well, how can we resolve this situation? Because from our perspective, this is a problem. And if you think about it, like it doesn't make sense for any of us to treasure and to value our own belief, but not to uh, value the fact that other people will also would also find the same thing because it's a major issue. Like the consequences of disbelief in this life and the next are very significant, you know. Um, and so, and and that's why we need to take seriously. If we are, it should be something completely natural to us. If we have a natural and a close and a relationship with our Lord, what stem what naturally follows from connecting with our Lord through prayer, from engaging in the recitation and the understanding of the Quran, from being empathetic, charitable, concerned people, what naturally follows is that we want to bring about a state in society that is in the best interest of everybody. And that is when, uh, not just me, you, whoever, and us here, but all of us, all of the people around us, are invited to and start to live god-centered lives that's the point yeah. so that that and, and as i said there's many verses in the quran which uh, which push us towards uh, this as well yeah so uh, are you also saying that if we are only focusing on our, our own relationship with god without uh, trying to have an impact around us to facilitate the worship of god uh, are we failing somewhere are we fair? I mean, is it something that is incomplete? Yeah. No, no, so it's definitely incomplete, right? So it's all about like the levels, right? The levels of relationship. So look, it's interesting. So in the at the end of Surah Al-Hajj, uh, chapter 22, the last two verses are very interesting. So Allah says, Ya yuhalladina amanurka'u wasjudu wa'budu rabbakum wa fa'alul khayra la'allakum tuflihun. This is the penultimate verse, I think uh, verse 77, that you who believe, bow down, prostrate, yeah, ruku' sujood, um, serve, worship your Lord, and do good, so that you'll be successful. Then the next verse, strive for God as much as uh, he deserves or as much as is his right. Um, now, what, is, what does that mean? That means that we that striving, pushing forward. So it's not just we do ruku, sujood, we worship, you know, we just try and do good here. But there's something very specific. Even the distinction, I mean, the last thing that's mentioned in the previous verse is do good. But then on top of just general idea of doing good, there's something about specifically jahidu fillah, like striving for God. In another place, ya you who believe, uh, be conscious of God, seek ways to come close to him. Yeah? Find or seek ways to come close to him uh, and strive in his cause so that you'll be successful. 
right? So we can see that uh, in both of these verses, what's interesting is that this specific striving is mentioned in addition to or alongside the standard things that we will think about, you know, taqwa, doing good, bowing down, prostrating, right? Serving, the worshiping. There's a specific emphasis. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's a little bit like, if you give an analogy, right? Like, um, in any, in, think about any cause. So this is very, this is really useful for us to think about in this way. So think about any cause whatsoever. Um, think about, uh, I mean, right now with the war with Russia invading Ukraine, was very interesting. I don't know how it is, in, obviously, in you know, in the local media as you guys are seeing it, but certainly one of the one of the very interesting things that's uh, featuring right from what we're seeing is that okay, Ukraine is under attack, and now uh, civilians are being armed and taking up arms to defend right the country. Okay, mm -hmm. and um, and they're being glorified for doing so. Yeah, and, in, and as far as we're concerned, yeah, rightly so. I mean, obviously, you know, that's that's a noble thing, obviously, right? And a brave thing. And people will lose their lives in the in 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 the service of their cause. Now, um, that's one example. Another example is, for example, uh, take the example of uh, the whole uh, LGBT, um, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, and and the whole kind of uh, the the cause of. Uh, equal rights for people of uh, you know who, who who have different sexualities or whatever now whatever we might think about it the reality is is that amongst those people think about it now amongst those people there are some of them who simply they'll say like they'll say oh i'm homosexual and they'll carry on doing whatever they're doing but they're not they're not they're not facilitating anything they're not fight striving or doing anything for anybody else but there are amongst them there are those people who have set up organizations institutions they lobby they have been advocating policies they've written uh, papers you know they've done they've and they've uh, protested right yeah. uh, they've mm -hmm. fought little battles in their own workplaces and wherever in order for their cause to become manifest and it's only because people have made that kind of effort that we have seen over the last decade and a few decades a major shift in the way in which society uh, understands conceives of that particular issue similarly with the environment right mm. there's the multiple levels at which we can do each of us in our own homes can try to be eco-friendly we might recycle we might do this we might do that we might just do our part but then amongst the people there are those who go even further they encourage other people to do their part they, again, they campaign, they write policy papers, they dedicate their lives to uh, trying to alert people to the dangers of climate change, etc. So what we're talking about here for us is not, it's the same kind of thing, right? As far as God's cause is concerned, you have those people who might worship God, they remember God, they praise God, right, uh, etc. But, but amongst the people as well are those who go further, they strive for God's cause, they get other people to, they tell other people about God. They remind other people, they encourage others to come forward. They, they try and demonstrate and articulate to people why it's in all of our best interest to, yeah. uh, to remember him and to prepare for meeting with him, etc. So this is basically what it is. It's just levels of contribution. And for all of us here, in order to become, we all want to be the best we can be. Now, none of us are here because we want to live average lives. You know, we want, we want to ex excel. We, and because we know that on the day of judgment, Allah will ask, will see, or will seek, and he says this in the Quran, he will see, he's seeking to prove or to show or giving us an opportunity to demonstrate which of us are amongst the best. 
You know, uh, we may, um, you know, we well, there's two things. We'll, we will say, we say, La ilaha illallah, there is no God but God. He's the number one to be served. So therefore, mm. simply as a result of that, what he wants from us should be important to us. And then the question is, are we doing enough to align ourselves with what he wants of us? That's number one. But also, we will sometimes in conversation with others, we'll, we will have said, you know, we hope ha- how things can be better. Uh, we hope we want Islam to flourish in society uh, you know we'll talk about these things but oftentimes we don't do enough to support these things happening so that's the that's the thing and you know what? i just want to say at this stage one thing which is very important which is in the end in the end it doesn't matter as much what actually happens as a result of our efforts what ma- what will have mattered is whether we made the effort you know mm. so how things turn out and their apparent success or not you know uh, that ultimately, it's not that it doesn't matter at all, but because there are obviously it does matter to a degree in terms of how we relate to it, learn from it, etc., and move forward. But I'm saying in the end, what actually happened in the end is not as important as what we intended and what we strove for and what we and the effort that we put in. So that's mm-hmm. just something which is um, important, and it's also you know which is uh, nowadays because of the very difficult circumstances in which believers find themselves in different parts of the world. And because of sometimes it seems almost the idea that, for example, in quote unquote, Western countries, the idea that Islam might flourish in such societies feels like, uh, might feel overly ambitious to us right now. You know, like it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel possible given how things are, right? But of course, interestingly, in many of these places, it has been the case historically. That's number one. And also, again, the point being is that, you know, whilst it's easy to become pessimistic about the state of the world, the state of people, you know, where everything is at, our own state, frankly, it, it is easy to become pessimistic. Um, we, it, it's just that, you know, that, that, um, that narration that we know where the Prophet Sallallahu is reported to have recommended to us that even if the last, even if the last day, you know, now comes and you have a seed in your hand and you're about to plant it, you should plant it. In a very powerful narration, very famous narration. But the idea being that even a small effort and input, because all we're trying to do is demonstrate to our Lord that we care and we are interested and we're going to put the effort in. And that's really, uh, in the end, what matters. In your personal journey, what was your, your mindset when you decided to, to quit uh, as an investment banker? Did you think that you were, you were not struggling enough for Allah's cause or what was in your mind at this time? And basically that was it. I mean, it was, even though at that time, because it was a while ago, even at that time, my, my way of thinking about things or my ideas weren't necessarily very, uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't necessarily as clear to me as they are now, for example. Um, or I might have sort of, yeah, thought about it in a slightly more, uh, call it a primitive or early stage kind of way. But still, the main, fundamentally, that was the main thing. My main thing was this. It was like, if I... It was like, well, if I was to die now, like, what do I have to show for it, basically, you know? 
That was really the main, that was the question I was asking myself. Like, what am I spending my time and my life doing that is worth, you know, showing or demonstrating, you know? That's really what, that's really what was the, the thing. And, and a lot of us, again, there's a lot of societal, circumstantial kind of things to do with this, but um, the, uh, like a lot of us, our lives, our very identities end up being defined by the work that we do. You know, even when we have conversations with each other, we meet new people for the first time. Salam alaikum, uh, oh, so what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. oh i'm an engineer i'm a lawyer i'm a doctor like that becomes like that's becomes like who you are you're like your definition almost and sometimes some of us will try and fit other things along the along the side but ultimately a lot of us i'm not saying any doing any of these things is wrong of course i'm not saying that but i'm just saying that it's important for us to think about what our you know uh you know how we're spending the bulk of our time our effort our mental energy like where it's going mm-hmm. and for many of us uh, if it wasn't for the fact that we um, like a, a valuable question, and as you know, Abdurrahman, like a question that uh, I ask myself and I get other people to think about for themselves is if it wasn't for the money, right? If I didn't need the income, if I didn't need any, uh, you know, so there's two parts to that question. If I didn't need the income right now, you know, would I do, would I do what I'm doing with my life right now? So the parts of life, the, the things that I do currently, which are related to me earning an income, if I didn't need that income because I had enough money, would I still do those things? So the question that we're asking ourselves is, is there a deeper link between us and the, th- the things that we spend our time on? Is there something deeper than simply of the income that we receive? So that's number one mm-hmm. question. The other question is, uh, which is related, we'll say, okay, at least at the very least, if I didn't need the income and I had kind of full freedom to just spend my time doing whatever I need to do because I had a regular salary coming in from wherever, and you know, without having to do any effort, what would I do? How would I spend my time? Because many of us, we we have even lost sight of what we would hope to, what the best, what we think the best thing to do in our lives would actually be. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So there's two problems. One is almost we get a lot of our time gets bought by companies, institutions, whoever, right? Our we trade our labor and our time for their causes. That's how it is. That's what it is. Right. Let's be let's be honest. Right. If we are um, if we are if, if we are whatever we're doing, we're an engineer working at some engineering company, a lawyer working for a law firm, you know, a finance person working for a bank or in you know, financial institution. Right. Somebody owns that entity. They have a vision. They have a cause. They are out there trying to do something. And you and me, we are just one cog. Right. In that in their machine that they're pulling together. Right. And they're buying your time to go and help them achieve that thing. Now, it's not that you're not getting anything out of it. But the question basically is, but it's important to just understand, to see what is actually happening there, the exchange that mm-hmm. is taking place. Right. And so what I, so for me, when I thought about that, it's like, why, like, why am I in putting my talent, my skills, my time, my energies into serving this person's cause or whatever? They may be paying me very well for it, you know, but yeah. is that what? Is that what life is about for me? So I decided, no, that's not what life is about, basically. And I want to dedicate myself in some way to, to further the deen in some way. How can I make the future for Islam and Muslims in the United Kingdom better? That was my thinking at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and my experience is that simply 
even though at that time I had a very strong intention and like not really anything like a plan, you know, I, alhamdulillah, like over the years, and at that time and over the years, I have felt many times that Allah has opened doors and, and uh, opportunities and resources and from where places I didn't expect and I didn't know. Um, just, I, and I just, I feel that it's because of what was, at least at that time, you know, like just a very strong, clear, pure intention. Like I, you know, I obviously normally we don't talk, talk about our intentions and we should, in a sense that or, you know, none of us should claim, you know, necessarily, or we should be very careful to claim sincerity of intention. Mm-hmm. And I'm not claiming it generally, but I do know I'm pretty confident that at that particular point in time, like I just had a very clear, strong desire and intention and motivation that, you know, like and for Allah to basically op- use me in a way that was like the, you know, that was just the best for uh, the best, it was the best thing that I could do for his cause, basically, you know, and then things opened up after that. Then in the NZF uh, opportunity came up and other opportunities and, and relationships and, uh, you know, as I said, resources and whatever else. So mm. it's some definitely, you know, I'm not saying that people should just be gung ho and abandon everything they're doing and just, you know, go into, you know, just go into whatever. That's why actually this last day leader program that I run is typically trying to help people think about the principles and the objectives and the, you know, and the motivations and to give courage because it does need courage. Like if you're not willing to take yeah. a risk in life, then you can forget about anything. I mean, everything involves risk. Everything involves uncertainty. The question is, what what are you risking and for who and for what? You know, everything carries its risks, right? And yeah. in the end, you know, you just want to pursue the most noble path that you can possibly uh, pursue, basically. And that's the key thing. I think all of us, all of it's very important that all of us, in order to live free, independent, confident lives, um, we have to constantly question the motivations and the real reason as to why we spend our time doing whatever we're doing today. It's very important that we do that because when we examine it deeply and carefully, we realize that oftentimes the prime thing that's motivating us in our lives often is fear. Fear yeah. of fear of um, insufficient resources, fear of insufficient income, fear of other people, fear of letting up whoever down, some other person down, you know, fear of not meeting the expectations, right, of parents or spouse or whoever. There's also fear, that kind of fear, you know. But uh, what 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 if we had true fear of Allah, um, which would eclipse the, all the other fears? What would that lead us to do? So it's very useful for us to at least begin to explore like um, the, the avenues or the possibilities and to envision something in our lives that we really want to do. And I think that when somebody finds the intersection between um, the thing that they think would be most useful to other people, what they love doing and they're, what they're skilled at doing, what they're good at as well, and they put together something, even a simple idea or a plan or something that they want to do, they should really just start getting going with that and i believe that ultimately anything that is valuable for people will become sustainable and there's so many i mean today in today's day and age because many people ask me oh you left banking you took a risk you didn't you literally didn't know what was going to happen next in terms of your income right like for me at that time i just believed allah was going to take care of me like i just had that you know and and it came true if you like yeah the wish wish came true so that happened right and Allah does provide, like it's all very well us saying Allah is the provider, but we don't behave mm-hmm. like that. 
You know, we think we are the provider or our company is the provider or whoever. You know, that's how we behave. We don't really sometimes really have that conviction. Um, mm. But I just think that, uh, uh, you know, I think things open up. when you, If you have something valuable to offer, in the end, it will become sustainable. And today's day and age, today's day and age in history, like the opportunities, people are making, people are sustaining themselves, doing all sorts of completely random things nowadays you know yeah like the nature of the economy the nature of the economy jobs like it's all it's all in flux everything's changing a lot right and and actually mm-hmm. but it's opening opportunities up like anything you know internet technology connecting you know, the, the ability our ability to connect with each other to message whoever just for us to like to come together in the way that we're coming together i mean such a gathering even just something simple like this you know even not so long ago wouldn't have been even feasible or possible yeah. or we couldn't conceive of so I'm just saying that the opportunities are there. And when you go out there with your intention, your message, your motivation, your service, you, when you ask Allah and you, you, you rely on Allah and you are clear with people about what it is that you want to do and you, and you put it out there, I just, you know, and it's valuable, things, things will work out, you know, inshallah, things will work out. And it will not so there won't be challenges, it won't be tough, but that's life. But that's what we mm. want. Allah will test mm. us, but we have to overcome and keep going. Yeah. So you mentioned the importance of um, struggling for Allah's cause. And you, you also mentioned uh, the importance of envisioning or having a vision about what you want to do. Uh, I have two questions about that. So let's say you, you really want to, to struggle more for Allah's cause. First, is it a full-time job, first of all? And the second thing is, can you do that like basically like randomly, like trying to support any kind of uh, needs in your, in, your, in your region or whatever, or does it need to be aligned with your own personal vision of what you want to accomplish for the, for the community and for the, for the deen of Allah? Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to, rep- it, the thing is, I think it's, it's better not to think about it in terms of job or not job, you know, like, let's leave that aside for a second. Just think mm-hmm. about it in terms of, can you spend increasing amounts of your time Right, doing things which you feel this is for the cause of Allah. And remember what we mean by that. We mean by that that the intention and the effort and the strategy is to try to increase people's awareness, connection um, uh, to their Lord. Yeah, that they find guidance. Now that can have a, there's a huge number of avenues or ways in which that can take place. You know, it can happen, and it doesn't have to. You don't have to. Not everybody has to do it for all people, of course. Right. So, but it's just to get you to think about how can I facilitate things? Now, it might end up being that I'm spending my money. I'm spending my time. I'm bringing people together. I'm volunteering for something. But my intention and the effort, the effort is that or the intention is that this straight path is facilitated for more people. More people are guided. More people find their Lord. More people uh, stay, you know, if you like, um, guided. Right. And they and they stay connected to their Lord. That's the intention. So whatever you know, one can think of. And then, of course, that's that's why then you think, well, we all have different interests, skills, passions, right? Things that excite us, whatever. So let's, we will end up doing different things. We all have different roles to play. That's for us to discover and to find out. And Allah has made us all in unique and particular ways. And actually, sometimes it's about thinking, okay, Allah has made me in such a way. He's put me in such and such a place in such and such a time, right? Mm-hmm. The point is, okay, to put, it's like in one way, the way I think about it, it's like, you got to play the game, right? Like if you think about, in some ways, if you think about your life almost like a computer game, you're the character, you're the player, 
you've been put into the scene, right? What's the objective? What what do you need to do now? Look at there's all this stuff going on around you. Well, you know, chart the course that's going to result in the highest score, basically. You know, so how do I do yeah. that? In all different games, you know, that exist that we humans come up with, that's basically what it is. There's an objective, and sometimes more sophisticated. Not that I'm any expert in this, of course, but more sophisticated games. The particular objective is not always necessarily clear, but you've got to discover it, find it, explore, go, da 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 da, da right? And it evolves in that way. But that, that's basically life, you know? So it's like, well, what, what, what game are you even in? You know, or are you even, play, are you even doing, are you even playing it, basically? And this is, the, this is actually, when I say that, what I mean, the, the, the more uh, uh, formal or appropriate way to say it, perhaps, is it's about saying, am I, am I playing the dunya game or am I playing the akhirah game, right? Like, am I just basically doing the things that need to be done to advance myself in this life? Or am I really doing the things that are going to advance me in the hereafter? Um, yeah. So it's not, yeah. So I wouldn't think about it normally as a full-time job, not full-time job. I would think about it in the context of adding value. But of course, if somebody wants to try to find a way in order to make their work uh, for Allah's cause, they want to spend more time doing it. And in order for them to be able to do it, they need to be able to find a way to sustain themselves at the same time. Then I, then, then yes, then obviously you would, they, you would want to seek some alignment between what you're doing, um, uh, what you're doing for Allah's cause, and how that is adding value, and how that can then be a source of sustainability. And people obviously sometimes they struggle with this idea, and I appreciate why because sometimes you know we think about money as a we think about money as an evil and a corrupter basically, yeah. But we have to appreciate and realize something that. Uh, even zakat, one of the categories of zakat is fisa bilillah. One of the points of zakat was that not just you help the poor and everything else, but you help the people in your community who are at the forefront, who need to be freed up to basically advance the cause or defend the cause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like when we pay council tax or pay national taxation. And part of our taxation is funding civil servants, right, bureaucrats, officials or whatever, right, to keep the machinery of the of government and society going so that it provides a cohesive thing. So, like, that's just a matter of your own intention. Like the fact that somebody is receiving funds in order to sustain themselves to so that they can do the work that they need to do. That's completely fine because that was the case at the time the Prophet وسلم, is in the Quran. And it's now like, you know, one way or the other, you know, we sometimes we think it's more noble to earn your money with quote unquote a no, normal job than it is, for example, that if you received a salary for doing charity work or some public service or whatever. But public services don't function unless people are paid. <laughs> like that's just how it works, yeah. right? Like mm. there's no, we don't say it's not, it, we don't say, for example, to the doctor that somehow his or her effort is lacking because they're paid to do their work, right? Mm. Now it's up to the doctor whether their main motivation is the money or to help people. But the fact that they need to be paid in order to be free to do the thing. So the fact, so in your case, all of you individually, like if you, you shouldn't be put off by the fact that if you are thinking about how can I be, how can I earn how can I provide the service or do the thing that I want to do whilst earning an income from it, you know, uh, or, or being supported for it uh, so that I can carry on doing it and grow it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, even for me, I've had to think about that bit, right? And and to you, you have to think about it regularly in terms of your intention and everything else. But the point is, is that in principle, it's necessary because I wouldn't be able to full-time dedicate myself to doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for the fact that, for example, some people would support me. Some people have supported me. They've seen what I'm doing. They want to support and they provide funds uh, or I charge for courses that I teach in order to make it sustainable, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Like, yeah. So I think that that's... Um, uh, that's important in terms of the other thing uh, you mentioned about the vision like so the point about the vision is is simply if this i the way i think about vision or get people to think about vision is think about it as your destination right we talk about journeying where you're trying to go so the question basically is is that what exactly are you trying to achieve right um mm -hmm. like so all of us should be able to describe that and that's a difficult process for many people but then i said to people look what's what what, what is it that's of interest to you? So some people might come up, for example, after thinking about it, or they'll say, my vision is that young, uh, that young people, and maybe specifically young Muslims in my community have access to the knowledge, the education, the networks that will help them remain firm and steadfast as believers. Okay, because and today, that's not the case. Today, it might be the case for some people, but maybe we'll identify that most young people, they don't have that access the networks, the support that they need to navigate life and to grow up in such a way that they can remain faithful because there's lots of sources of confusion and temptation and whatever else. But my vision is that that will not be the case, that there will be a really strong uh, environment in which they can grow and flourish, etc. Yeah. So then the question is, OK, fine. So what what needs? So that's the vision. then. So now what needs to happen? So now you think about your mission, your strategy. OK, what mm -hmm. needs to happen and where do I fit in? Oh, we need to, we need youth clubs, for example. That might be one conclusion. We need to make sure that in the locality, every there is a youth club, a Muslim youth club, for example, or just a youth club that anyone can come and come come to. They can benefit from, socialize, hear some things that will be beneficial, ask their questions. You know, nothing is, uh, you know, uh, there's no um, question that can't be asked. Right? We bring other people together to mentor, to buddy them, blah blah blah, whatever. That's just an example, random example. Okay. And then, so the point is then, okay, I have a vision, I have a strategy. Now, what do I do about it? Now, I might be working full-time in such and such a thing, but in the evenings and weekends, I can start. I can get going. And for just that as an example, can, is it possible that something like this, what I'm describing, can, can function, can grow and flourish and function in such a way that somebody who's really keen to pursue this idea can then uh, can make this sustainable as well? Because, for example, parents may pay for their children to access the service. Now, this doesn't mean that yeah. people who can't pay can't be in because you can have a simply have a bursary program, whatever. Like even me for my courses, I have a thing. If people can't afford it, I always encourage people to get in touch. Let me know. And either they can pay a discount or pay over time. Or sometimes I just give it to them for free if they don't generally can't afford it. That's so we can you can have that. Right. So money doesn't have to be a barrier for people, but it can be a way for people to take it seriously. That's, that's something which is natural psychology and for to sustain the operation. So now you can have better equipment or you can have uh, people who are paid to you know people who have skills and abilities to do youth work to do it to, for the administration for the organization etc because if you want to pull off a service that's going to cater for five thousand young people in your city well obviously that's a full operation you know mm -hmm. but that's possible but it's only possible if you want it to happen if you pursue it and obviously the resourcing part of it is also important so that's just an example of how you might think of here's a vision this is the situation today. This is what needs to happen to go from here to there. This is what I need to do. This is where I fit in. And this is what I'm going to go and do. Now, for me, 
that's leadership. That's leadership. Yeah. Leadership is uh, you identify a problem. Here's a solution. Here's the outcome I want. I'm going to initiate this, talk to people about it, tell people about it, start to do the work, trial, test, bring things together, let it grow, let it grow, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. And that's it. And that's how things, I mean, that's how things work in life. So all of us can think carefully, what is it that I want to achieve? And it doesn't need to be like grand and global. Yeah. It can be very specific and very local, but deep, you know, yeah. like deep. Sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a big benefit in focus and going deep because then you achieve some real, you know, can go achieve some real impact. So mm. that's the idea inshallah. All right. Barakallah. I had so many other questions, but I'm conscious about the time and I want to give the, uh, the listeners the opportunity to ask some, some questions at the end. Um, I will just end with, a, with the last question, inshallah. Speaking of struggle, every society has its own context and everyone has its own context. I guess you are a little bit familiar with the, the situation of the Muslim in France. Um, my question is, should the expectation be the same for, for uh, any kind of context? No, no, fine. So I think that I think when context, when you have different contexts, you'll have different approaches, right? But the end goal is the same, in broad terms, at least. The idea of striving feasibilillah, and the idea that feasibilillah means that uh, that the that you know Allah will be uppermost in the hearts and minds of people in society, even if it seems like, as we said, an impossibility in a place like France or whatever, given the situation, right? Like, the, broadly speaking, that is the goal, the same. Now, the approach you will take, how you go about it, will depend on, obviously, the local, um, uh, the, the local situation. But what I think is important is that just because there are objections or there is uh, animosity or there is... Uh, a strong opposing views that should not mean that we are not clear and bold in what we want to do because the thing is this it's like it's like ibrahim uh, ibrahim said to his people it's very powerful. Ibrahim says to his people, they're, he's calling them, they're opposing him. Yeah? And they, they said, just like people say today, like, why are you asking us to leave this and that? This is how we are. This is our way of life. Yeah? And then they'll say, okay, you go home. <laughs> so well, this is my home, right? So they say, like, you know, this is our way of life. This is what we've always done. This is the way. This is our way, the British way, the French way, or whatever way. Yeah. So why are you introducing this, you know, Oriental, whatever here, yeah, or whatever it is. So we would say, how I'm not going to be afraid of the way in which you relate to God or associate with God when you don't fear the fact that you are associating with him in ways that don't have any proof or any support for which no proof has been sent down. So our. Um, uh, our fear of other people should not cannot be as great as you know or we should think to ourselves hang on a second they're not afraid that they are disobeying allah right abandoning god mocking god they're not afraid they're doing that so why should we be afraid 
of basically doing, you know, doing the opposite or of show, demonstrating our belief and advocating in a positive way. Now, of course, you know, and then uh, and then Ibrahim said, well, which of, which of these two parties, which of these two groups, is more deserving of safety and security? Uh, if um, you know, if you knew, or if you would consider this, and then Allah, you know, or he says, um, or the response is that those who don't clothe their faith, uh, which is you know in the in the in the commentaries mentioned as you know basically who don't corrupt their faith with shirk and other things, but they have this pure connection with their Lord. Uh, those are the ones who have for whom there is security and safety, and they are the ones who are guided. So the point is, is that. Our confidence, and this is why prayer, etc., is very important because our confidence should come from our conviction, our belief in our Lord. You know, and we all know that we are only here as believers today because people historically, over many centuries, have struggled and sacrificed, and you know, and lost lives and lost whatever resource, whatever. Like they've made the sacrifice, they've made the struggle. And this is not just particular to us and belief. This is just the way of the world. For anything to move forward in this life, it requires struggle. And when that struggle, when the people stop struggling or stop caring, that's when things undo themselves. And that applies to anything and everything in business, in any cause. We gave some examples earlier, whatever, like across the board, you know, that is how it is. So, um, so it's just a matter of, you know, it's a matter of confidence and a matter of intelligence as well. It's very important that we are not hasty. It's very important that we don't allow our own egos and our own anger and our own frustration to be the drivers, you know? So good character combined with confidence, combined with intelligent strategy, combined with a real empathy for your people, even though those people may be against you. That's the, this is the prophetic way. We all know that. Yeah, we all know that. The prophetic strategy when, the, when in times of relative uh, weakness or being in a minority and being you know up against it, if you like, is to combine a clear message with confidence and to so solidify and secure your own people and to unify them um, with good character and just consistently uh, plugging away. Yeah, and that's what we need to do. I can't hear you actually. I'm new. Is that my side? I don't know. I can't. Just check your uh, speaker settings, maybe. Well, I don't know if anyone else can mention in the chat if they can hear Abdul Rahman. Yeah, okay. Other people can't hear you either, so he's coming back. Okay. Um, I'll have a look at the chat, the questions in the chat. So Salma asks, as a question for Q&A in relation to this, could you please give us some advice on how to build up our confidence, Shah Muslim identity, openly at work or university? What can we start as habits towards this? Hmm. So I would say that in regards to that question, um, I would say that, look, effectively, just be yourself. You know, so any, anything that you might say or do normally or otherwise, just say or do the same things. That's really it. You know, um, so if you were going to pray when you were at home or amongst our fellow Muslims and then the time comes to pray when you're at work or university, then you go and pray and you do that. Right. Um, if you were. Um, uh, yeah. And if you want, if, if you were, if you would have explained your motivation, you know, to do such and such a thing, or you would use certain language, for example, like I often use this example of, you know, amongst each other, we will say, inshallah, right, all the time. 
inshallah, I'll do this. Inshallah, I'll see you tomorrow. Inshallah, this will go well. But then when we're speaking with others, we won't, we won't say the equivalent. We won't say if God wills or God willing. You know, that's a good example. Even though it might occur to us in our minds, because we know that when we are saying something about the future, then it is appropriate to recognize the fact that that is dependent on Allah, right? But we will, oftentimes will will stop ourselves from using such language. So there's something about that. That's also a bit inauthentic, right? Because who are we saying it for? Ultimately, we are actually saying it because it means we mean it. We we really mean that. Okay, if Allah wills, it will happen, and we remind ourselves and those around us that it's dependent upon Him. So that's an example, you know, something simple. So the thing is that in answer to the question or the thing to notice is that you can't, it's not, a, you, can't, you can't fake it, right? You just need to basically be yourself. Uh, I'm just answering one of the questions in the chat. Yeah. Yes. Can, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I was testing yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> sorry. All right. Thanks for, no, I can't see the question in the chat anymore, but it's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the question was, um, the question was to give some advice on how to build up confidence and show Muslim identity openly at work or university. What can we start okay. as habits towards this? So beta, in, in summary, anything, when there will come these moments when, oh, should I say this or shouldn't I say this? Should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And then the point is, do, do just do the right thing at that time. That's, mm. that's really it. It's not, right. it's not a particular habit or you can't manufacture it. You just need to be natural you know be yourself as you would have done and don't let fear be the reason as to why you don't do something which would otherwise be natural to you i think that's that's what i would say there's another question should i just take that one number uh, just one uh, question for do you have extra minutes to to answer any other question yeah. that i mean ten, how much time minutes. five minutes ten minutes, ten minutes? Okay. okay all right all right uh, if anyone has any other question that they want uh, they would like to ask they can, you can either use the chat or use the reaction um yeah you can raise your hand if you click on the reaction item yeah there was one there was a question from before uh, i have a question about diplomas or masters that enable to win some credibility in islamic philanthropy and finance i'm coming from a banking background and did an mba but i'm wary of building also some credibility on the topic to have a brilliant start in the matter please so this area is not it's not an area that i am uh, like i don't have say specific uh, advice or recommendations in terms of um in terms of things to to look at however uh, there is a website um, i can put in the chat um, which is run by a friend called uh, islamic finance guru uh, com. and uh, uh, maybe i'll if i put this way it will be clickable um, so that's something which is just you know you can you can basically uh, you can basically have a look or contact them because they will have more of an idea uh, of this kind of thing uh, yeah that link is uh, clickable yeah all right. Yeah. Any other questions or comments? Uh, how can we ensure that our actions are exclusively for Allah without our intention being distracted by other objectives? Yeah. So good question. And it's a, obviously a very vital question. I think the only thing you can, I think there's a few things. So um, I think that it's good to give attention to doing um in a way, this is where our individual worships so is very interesting. So at the beginning of this discussion, we were distinguishing between our individual worship, individual journeying towards Allah. And then we were talking about facilitating, you know, the same for others, etc. As we do more of the latter, so as we do more in terms of public service and everything else, sometimes what can happen for people initially is that they find that their own worship, their individual worship, 
actually suffers as a result. Yeah, either because of the you know somehow they um, their individual connection with Allah, right, and their worship and prayer and whatever, like it's just not it is not the same, right, and it seems to be suffering, and that need requires attention. So what we need to do is almost very consciously increase in our own quality and consistency of prayer remembrance the private things the things that no one else knows only you know and allah knows that's it so consciously try to increase those things that's something which for you then will become a um something valuable to you and a way to like to settle your own mind as well because it can become quite stressful when you're thinking about you know are my attention really for allah who's this for like am i a hypocrite you know these questions which are important questions to ask oneself but you, the more you can do where you know it's just you and Allah and there's no one else and ultimately you know that feels truer to you than anything else you know what I mean um I also think that again before and after actions you know uh, or, or public um uh, public actions uh again almost just speaking with Allah before and after privately you know so when something like this when, when something happens you it finishes that you know are you asking Allah to you, do you ask Allah to accept from you and to, you know, you relate to him. Yeah. You're like, you're, you have that personal relationship going on simultaneously. So these are the things. Now, at the end of the day, the matter of intention and all these things are, you know, are difficult issues. And the only way we really know is to just to, in, in a way we will never know, but that's the point. We will can only try and be as sincere as we can and, um, and just compliment, uh, compliment public actions with private actions. And that's really the best, uh, the best thing I can say. Um, yeah. All right. So we have another question in the chat, and Selma also, also raised her hand. So up to you to, to decide. <laughs> All right, maybe Selma, you go ahead, inshallah, and then I'll take the other. Yeah. Hi, Salma. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can. Yes. And my question is a bit uh, weird, so I'm trying to put it up well. So, how to reconciliate between the fact that you know that Allah can actually test you as he tested the prophets, for example, to let you starve for a while or like not give you the financial support or not open the doors at that time for X, Y, Z and still have the confidence, the confidence you mentioned that, okay, I'm abandoning everything for Allah's sake and he's going to provide because I'm trying to convince myself of that, but it could also be an ibtila at the same time. Yeah. So I think that um, I think the best thing to do is obviously is to try to the way to overcome it or go around the problem almost is to um, initially yeah if someone's at an at an initial stage of thinking about these things uh, is to is to have things going in parallel so things are rarely binary it's rarely the case that until I abandon you know whatever I'm doing now I can't do anything for the thing I want to do. You know, like you can just start to work on whatever it is. So in a way, you just escape the question for now, at least, you know, you're doing whatever you're doing right now as your kind of day to day or uh, obviously I don't know what your own individual circumstances are. But for argument's sake, let's say somebody's involved in a, a job is taking up a lot of their time, their effort, their energy. They don't really feel a connection with it. They want to do other things. So get clarity. What is it you want to do? Why you want to do it, et cetera. And then think about, well, where do I start? And then whether it might involve a combination of some learning that you want to do, uh, some actions, some volunteering, some getting on with it, whatever it is. So what I'm saying is it's very common for a lot of people who are 
feel stuck in the current situation to not actually be doing anything to move towards the ideal because it, it, it's almost like they've convinced themselves that unless until I'm out of what I'm doing right now, well, I can't really start to do that either. But as I said, it's not either or. So I think because once you, the reason I'm saying this, is because once you start to do something, actions, then things develop and build in such a way that the possibility of you testing the sustainability element comes in. Do you understand? So, um, so for example, it's very common that many people who might be, say, in employed roles, right, in various jobs or whatever, uh, that they want to start their own business. Okay, so they'll start their own business in the evenings, weekends, they'll be working on it, working on it, working on it, their test. And then over time, maybe a year, two, three years down the line, now it's developed and grown into something that enables them, they can make the transition now. Now, that doesn't mean there's not future risk. It doesn't mean that things might go badly. It may well do. Um, but that's, as I said, that's life, you know, and, and oftentimes it's interesting, isn't it? Because we often think that we think our the security for us depends on what we're doing right now. But guess what? There were people with completely stable and normal jobs in Ukraine up until three days ago. Right. They just got invaded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, pe people can be made redundant. Recession can strike. And then all, all of a sudden, you know, so sometimes it's not that, oh, this particular, you know, it's a mistake or we delude ourselves sometimes to think, oh, this is a secure path. This is an insecure path. Sometimes we should just think in the context of this is the right path or the best path, the most noble path and pursue and, and just pursue it as much as we can. I think that's, um, th those are the things that come to mind. I see, because okay. the present is also insecure. You mean that Allah could stop providing right yeah, now? Yeah, well? of course, exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because I, I've, I mean, it's not that funny, but I've experienced this before. You know, people, people oftentimes, I've met a few people over the years, because I've had these types of conversations with so many people over the years, and many people, they will, um, uh, I, they will be in there, whatever job they're in, and they will be talking to me about the fact that they want to leave and they want to get out and do all of this and that. Um, and, uh, and then we will have the conversation and still a few months later, they haven't had the courage to do that, even though they really want to, but they just feel afraid. And then a few, I can think of a few people who then just a few months after that, uh, they were made redundant anyway. They lost their jobs anyway. You know, sometimes they're kind of, they're just forced out into a situation now you know, we're into the open, okay, what do I do? So I think really all it is, the, the thing is that if we are, look, it's not that stability of income is like, is a, I'm not, you know, I want to be clear, it's not that this is a bad thing. It's a necessary thing to have resources. You need to feed yourself, your family, whatever, right? And you need to do these things and advance in that way. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not critical of that, but my, my critique, if you like, or my um, recommendation to myself and then to everybody else is to think about what are you exchanging for that? That's the key thing. What are you giving up to receive that? What are you sacrificing? At least know what you're sacrificing. You see, most people don't even know what they're sacrificing because they don't even thinking about what uh, a higher possibility. And that for me is a real shame. You know, that, that's a real shame. That's like a re that, that feels like a very... Um, like someone's like someone's half buried already. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Like they're just sunken. They can't. They're not. Can't aspire to anything higher because they're being kept down. Um, you know, at a sort of lower level of living almost. When higher possibilities exist, and we are encouraged to move towards them. So yeah. Super clear. Thank you. I'll take the one in the chat and then Sarah, and then we'll close. Is that okay? All right. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks. Let's do that. All right. So, uh, Sarah in the chat she said, um, "Assalamu alaikum." Uh, 
I also have a question regarding working for Allah's cause, helping your Islamic community, how to feel legitimate in what we do, knowing there are people 10 times better than us, and even more knowledge of us in terms of science or other topics. Yes, no good. The thing is this, right, is that um, this is, a, this is a, it's a good question. It's a very common feeling as well. You know, who am I? It's called the imposter syndrome. You know, I'm an imposter. Like, I'm not even the real deal. Who am I to do anything? Who am I to tell anyone anything or say this or encourage this person? Look at me. I've got so many flaws, weaknesses, issues, whatever. Yeah. Now, uh, this. so on the one hand, yes, we should never enter. We should, we should be very cautious of um, talking about things that we don't understand, obviously. Right. If we haven't given the time to think about it, to understand it, to learn, to start, depending on, obviously, it depends on what it is. So um, before a certain level of action, there's a certain level of knowledge that is required. At the same time, though, I would say that um, a lot of us, we might suffer from the opposite problem. Actually, we do know more than we think we know. We just don't, we're not even acting in a way that reflects that. So sometimes we have the knowledge for certain things, but we don't have the actions. And the thing is, is that all of us here, are, we're all believers and we all have our reasons for being believers and we all have our motivations. That in and of itself qualifies you to share with other people, for example, like, you know, to share your own story and your own thinking with others. Why can't you do that? You can do that. You see the, the things that, for example, if we're talking about here, just sharing a part of what we're talking about is about showing other people what it's like to go on that path and that journey. But why can't we can do that because we do that. We actually do that ourselves. We, that's something we can share and do. Then, of course, yes, for anything else, we need to assess what is our skills and what have you. Sometimes the work or the role that is required doesn't necessarily require as much, quote unquote, you know, Islamic knowledge, but it just requires certain skills. And you know that you're working towards a cause, right, to do certain things. So, for example, in National Zakat Foundation, we had a team at times of 25, 30 people, for example, at times. Some of those people knew a lot more about Zakat than others. But that's fine, because if for some roles, you didn't need to have a, a deep knowledge about zakat. You need, but you might, but they had, but some people had a, a strong understandings of, you know, administration or finance or governance or marketing or whatever, right? But then everyone had like a minimum sort of knowledge or a, a awareness, but people varied. So you have to relate the specific type of knowledge and thing to whatever else. And also realize finally that, it could well be shaitan who's telling you you're not good enough don't bother don't try yeah that can be a devil's deception as well so if we all think like that which on the one hand feels like a noble way to think but if we all do that we'll all sit and do nothing and then nothing will happen <laughs> so it's um it's this idea of pushing forward striving but then also as per the earlier question um you know just evaluating your own sincerity and um uh and, and, and just keeping that going and increasing your knowledge at the same time. But one thing I have found, the last thing, sorry, actually, is to say that, you know, like they often say the best way to gain in knowledge is to teach. Now, that might sound funny because actually, surely I need the knowledge in order to teach. But I have found that to be the case. When you teach and you start to say certain things, like what I know about Salah today is more than when the first time I started teaching about Salah. Because of the process of teaching. You see, so that also makes when you're actually in the you're, you're in something, you're doing something, you're not just theorizing, but you're hearing from people, you're interacting with people. That learning that you get out is, is sometimes a lot more valuable and makes you more relevant as well, because we all know what it, we all know 
there's lots of sheikhs and scholars and whoever who unfortunately are not very relevant to people because they don't engage with them in that real way sometimes. They haven't done a lot of them the real work. Many of them have never lived normal lives or done normal jobs or whatever. So they're not able sometimes to relate in the same way, you know? So um, I'm just saying there's a, you know, so, so there's a value in getting on with things and learning as you, as you go through things. At the same time, whilst not entering into things or, or saying things about matters that obviously you don't know, but that's powerful. Things will come up. I don't know. Great. Now let me go and find out. You know, go and find out. Uh, yes, Saad. Uh, so I just, um, in, in the European debate and like the Central European debate, France, like Germany, Switzerland, um, when people live here, uh, and I mean, I'm also here, you, we feel, you spoke before about fear and, and we have our personal fear about Rizq and about like about the, the the like how we can sustain ourselves, but there is another fear where, as you may see, as you may have heard, is the um, especially in France, but also like it exists as well in, in Switzerland. People don't go forward or or don't expose themselves or don't don't like uh, take action because of the fear of who oh, I will be targeted. I will. They will talk about me. They will. They will target me. Uh, the media, whatever. Yeah. So, and this component is actually, and sometimes if you, because in some chats or some groups, people don't take action because of that fear of being especially targeted by the media or even the 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 police or whatever. You know, for for any reason. So, what is your advice? Of course, UK is not is another context. Uh, is something else, but how, from your experience now, and and uh, and especially if we think about zakat in Europe overall, because the, the narrative is because zakat is for Islam and Muslimin, how would you advise the the, the French fellows or German or whatever uh, about this to to take action, move forward? Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of things. So, well, generally, I would just say that. Um, it's worth us thinking about how can we use language to describe what it is that we're doing and why we are doing it that is universally appealing. That's the key thing, I think. You see? So that takes a bit of work, it takes a bit of time, but how can we describe? And that this is really important because I think that, again, I think there's a prophetic kind of thing in this, which is that if we are saying things or doing things in a way that is only causing alarm to people and not communicating them in any way value and why this is a good thing for all, everybody then we should just question ourselves to see is there ways that we can change and improve the way in which we are communicating about certain things so that that fear um within us and frankly in others right or reduce it now i'm not saying it can be completely eliminated sometimes because sometimes you will have that prejudice regardless and whatever else right just usage of words and language is very important. So, for example, even a very simple thing, like even say in the UK context, like for me, there's a big difference, a big difference in terms of how it's received. If I say constantly, oh, oh the work is about the future of Islam and Muslims and Islam is going to be dominant and da, 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 and all of this, right? We say that. And that's why we're here. And Muslims are going to take over and all of this stuff. Okay. So if you're going to use language like this, which might be in one, some context an appropriate language to use in terms of what you're trying to say. But you can see also clearly why that's going to cause alarm to people, right? 
But there's a way of basically saying exactly the same thing, but in a way that frankly that doesn't seem as um that doesn't seem as uh you know threatening, let's say, to people, you know. Or it seems in a way that actually, or that it, it seems more reasonable. So, for example, if you were to put that same thing in the context of actually then, you know, interestingly, just to say that, you know, oh, our intention is for more people to live God-centered lives, to live ethical lives, upright lives, yeah, to be people who, who value A, B, C, D and E, right, in terms of things that we feel are important and valuable and to have a and to and to help people overcome their current states of anxiety and depression and lack of direction and uncertainty okay with something that gives them more in terms of blah 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 right etc cetera, etc cetera. and just as an example you can see why this kind of language is clearer more appealing might even bring some interest from people you know but it's basically saying the same thing yeah so obviously it depends on the context, but I do think language is a big part of the answer to what you're talking about, because sometimes we don't help ourselves with our own ways of saying things. Um, other than that, obviously it would depend on a specific scenario, specific situation, our own fears, you know, like, and uh, yeah, but that's something maybe we can, uh, you and I can pick up on, you know, separately, inshallah. Um, I will take one last one here because there is a last uh, question in the chat. So just to complete it, but please don't ask any more now. Because but we've got to move on. Lucas says, "Salam alaikum." The need to build bridges of understanding, compassion between different ethnic groups, believers and non-believers, participates in the service of Allah. Also, oh, I think you're asking, like, does that count as part of this? And should we act in this direction in order to fit in as an actor of our contemporary society to convert the love of Allah into more global social action? So, in brief, yes, of course. Any where, if we are able to build bridges between believers, between believers and others. And if our intention in building those bridges is, again, because we want this faith to flourish, a lot of this through the intention and motivation, right? Then, of course, that can be very meaningful action. Remember, again, just going back to the zakat, it's interesting, the zakat categories, one of them is to incline, the inclining the hearts, you know? So the idea is that bringing hearts together. Because when other, if you're doing the kind of work that builds bridges between believers and others, and you know, and, and this is where intelligence and approach and how you approach things comes comes into play, yeah. Because you can go out there with, into society and say, actually, even uh, you know, further to the last question, to say that look, right now, you know, we want to be unified. We we want as believers, we want a unified society, yeah. We want people to, uh, and for there to be good relationships between people, right? We want that. So if we want that, so we're going to create spaces for conversations in which that can happen. We can facilitate that. We can learn from each other, understand each other, right? Start piloting certain things. So these are really powerful things, even if it feels like soft action, if you like. Yeah, or you might call it soft power, soft action, right? Where it's just building bridges. So of course that can be very, very uh, valuable. And as you said, these kinds of things can then lead on to uh, and, and um you know, like greater efforts and hopefully people finding their Lord and, and that again, resulting in more positive action, etc. So there, we'll, I think we'll conclude there, inshallah. Thanks, Iqbal, for, the, for those uh, very insightful answers. How can people see you, the listener, how can see your work, what you do, uh, reach out to you if they have questions? Is okay, that, that oh, yeah. so, so um, I'll just put my um, uh, my email address in the, uh, in, the, in the chat. So anyone, you're welcome to get in touch. So that's my email address. And um, my uh, my website is quite simple. <laughs> it's uh, just my name, and that's my website there. 
so yeah, please feel free to be in touch. Inshallah, I'll do my best to again to respond or help in any way I can. And may Allah bless you all and thank you again for the opportunity. And may he make us all people who strive to become better, to do better, Amen. and to achieve more and more for his sake and for his cause. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, that's that's a life worth pursuing, worth living. Um, and And I think the important thing in the end is that we try to live lives where we don't have regrets. We want to just feel and know that we did our best. We strove and, and we truly live to la ilaha illallah, that Allah was first and last and in the middle of all our considerations. And we didn't let our worries and fears of people and the world and whatever prevent us from doing the things that would demonstrate our connection with our Lord. And to, to close, when we go towards him, he will pull us through. We have to have that confidence. We have to have that belief, that conviction. And if we don't, then that, you know, that reveals something about something is broken in our relationship and, or, you know, or our understanding of who our Lord is. You know, have a positive view of your Lord and what he's going to do for you when you show him what you're going to do for him. So with that, we ask Allah to accept and to bless us all. It was a real pleasure to host you today. I pray Allah that he helps you achieve your current goals and help us all to get closer to him, inshallah. Amen. Take care, everyone. Take care. Wa alaikum as-salam. Wa alaikum as-salam. Wa alaikum as-salam.